A Cadmian Victory by M.J. Bradley Read by Sam Gabriel Based on the works of J.K. Rowling Chapter 22 Tinderwood The bared fangs and sharp tongues of the serpent effigies threw short, sharp shadows over the floor of Salazar's chamber, serpent and portrait. The vast coil of the basilisk stretched across the stone. Its maw gaped. The lower jaw melted into a red, sticky pool. Why are you still trying to get stronger? Salazar fixed Harry with a searching look. What's the point? I need to be more powerful. Harry raised an eyebrow at Salazar. There's still some things I can do in the next year. I don't want to vanish when I die. I don't want to disappear. For someone so set on dying, you seem remarkably reluctant to accept what it is. Salazar stroked his chin. To die is to become nothing. Your parents sacrificed their lives for you. You will always remember them. They're gone. They don't know you love them. They can't know. They're nothing. I do not want to die. Harry clenched his teeth. Cold flooded his veins, then ebbed into the numb, hollow void gnawing at his heart. I want to live. I want my dreams. I want my hope. I want my life. I just can't have it. Why not? Salazar tickled the chin of his snake. What is less valuable about your life than the one you'd have to trade for it? You're my heir, an exceptional wizard, and no average murderer or criminal could ever do more for the world than you will if you live. It's not about that. I know I'm more likely to do good things for the world than someone like Peter Pettigrew. Then what is it about? It's about all of them. Harry thrust his wand up at the castle above. Ice swirled through his blood like a snowstorm through a forest, then faded into the emptiness like whispers into the night. All the Rons, Hermione's, Tom Riddles, and Dumbledore's. What about them? Salazar's dark green eyes bored through Harry's. Because they judge you for not living up to their unrealistic perception of you? Yes, he sagged. They want me to turn up and be perfect when they need me, then vanish the rest of the time so they don't feel bad they can't hold themselves to the same standards they hold me. You're letting their delusions warp your perception of yourself, Salazar pointed his wand at Harry's chest. You know what anyone else would do in your shoes, yet you try to be what they think you are instead. That's what you're dying for, Harry. It's not stopping Tom. It's not saving lives. It's their foolish belief that you are some kind of hero, and your pride at being better than the ones who turned against you. Harry drew himself up. I won't give them the satisfaction of dragging me down to their level. They can drown in my shadow, real or not. Relo stands at one selfish extreme, you at the selfless other. See the middle ground. Walk it. Don't throw away your life because you're paranoid of emulating your predecessor. Voldemort is not my predecessor, Harry hissed. He was my heir once. He is, without a doubt, distant family of yours. Do not delude yourself into thinking he is some personification of evil you must avoid emulating. Parseltongue bled into Salazar's speech. I will tell you of the zombie I knew. Tell me, then. A boy came into this chamber, thin ragged and alone, a child who dreamt of becoming something great enough to be remembered, to protect the few who'd protected him. He was family, my heir and my legacy. 
so I offered him my help. As the years passed, he withdrew within himself, cut off from the few he had trusted one by one. Albus Dumbledore threw him back to the muggles that loathed him without a second thought for his well-being. The students avoided him, not wanting to be dragged into his spiral of self-destruction. Within this chamber, he learned he had the ability to be something great, and found the determination to seize it. He swore he would never look back. Harry blanched. A shiver trembled down his spine. Did you think you were so different? Salazar's voice softened to near a whisper. Even accounting for the effect of the soul fragment, the two of you would have been similar. I have said little about it because I know you wouldn't want to listen, but I'll not stay silent while you throw your life away. If we're so similar, will I just end up like him? The world doesn't need or want a second Lord Voldemort. Don't be a fool, Salazar snapped. You're a hundred times worse than Godric sometimes. It took Rowena and I a month to convince him the first time he killed that he was still a good person and a good wizard. You stand here with only noble intentions and speak about dying before you become a dark wizard. Did you not listen when I explained to you the principles of magic? There is no light and dark, only power and the intent that directs it. Then there is nothing that needs to be said. You are like him, but you are not him. I am sure I am not the only one who sees the similarity. Dumbledore must as well. Tom often spoke of the man as something akin to an idol. He does. Dumbledore's pale face swam among Harry's thoughts. He definitely does. And has he ever shown any concern that you might become another Voldemort? He may be raising you to sacrifice, keeping you alive until your death suits him best, but he still knows that the two of you are different. Salazar straightened up and folded his arms. The two of you are apples, fallen far apart, but from the same tree. I suppose that's better than some of his metaphors. It still changes nothing. I have to die. Or Voldemort will eventually find a way to return and many more will suffer. The Horcrux that anchors him has to be destroyed, Salazar said. You do not have to die for that to happen. But I'd have to kill. To stop Voldemort, I'd have to take a dangerously large step toward becoming him. Your soul will heal over time, Salazar murmured. As long as your intentions do not shift down a darker path, your soul will mend. Without that darker intent, I won't be able to cast the killing curse to save myself in the first place. Harry sighed. Enough of this, Salazar. You're just twisting the knife, wasting your time, and what little time I have left. My mind isn't going to be changed. So you say, Switherin muttered. Tom said similar things. His friends will be disappointed, he said. His dead parents might not understand, he told me. His equals wouldn't stand with him, he'd say. One by one, those trusted, treasured people proved they were loyal to themselves first and foremost. They chose to be selfish, refused to understand, and not to stand with him. Afterward, he withdrew. Tom Riddle didn't leave everyone behind to become Voldemort. They tore themselves free of him, and Voldemort was forged from what was left. How could it be worse than it is? Harry shuddered. Nothing's worse than this endless, empty feeling. I wake up with it every morning and yearn for the moment I could just fall asleep again. I've nothing left to lose, he said. As long as dying really is like sleeping. 
Harry's heart shrank, and he swallowed a stab of fear. If you can feel the emptiness of dying forever, then I can't even escape it by sleeping. If you say so. Salazar tossed his wand back and forth between his hands. It sputtered silver sparks. Let's spend this time on something more productive, then. Harry cast the disillusionment charm on himself. You mastered it, Salazar nodded. Excellent. What about the rest? Papillones, Harry whispered. Black butterflies swarmed from the tip of his wand. They swirled around Harry and Salazar in a demisphere of whirring wings. The butterflies, Salazar groused. What was wrong with conjuring snakes? A proper air of Slytherin would conjure serpents, not girly insects. I can almost hear my wife and daughter laughing at me in the afterlife. A brief thrill of amusement caught the corner of Harry's lips and curved them upward. Then it faded into the deep numbness inside him. Harry flicked the first butterfly and transfigured it to a razor-edged shard of steel. It screeched off the nose of a serpent effigy and skittered past the edge of Salazar's frame. Harry covered the chamber in a flurry of steel projectiles. They clattered across the floor and off the walls, leaving a myriad of scratches upon the basilisk's skin. Stop that! Salazar glowered at the pieces of steel littering the chamber. I do not need holes in my canvas. There's barely enough room in here for me as it is with this wretched snake wriggling around. I'm done. Harry dispelled his butterflies and strewn projectiles into wisps of black smoke. Well, apart from the basilisk spell, I'd like to try that again. It seems like a good last resort spell. Not from the water, Salazar said. Harry quirked an eyebrow. What should I use as a medium, then? The air. If you can conjure it effectively from nothing but air, you'll have a far more versatile and dangerous spell. A good duelist will be wary of water or fire, or anything their opponent might use against them, but people always overlook the air surrounding them. Harry shrugged. Why not? Don't look so skeptical, Salazar snapped. I don't want you to give it flesh, blood, and scales. Coalesce it from the air, use your emotions as a focus, and give it form from the element, just as you've always done. Easier said than done. Harry clawed at the emptiness for some scrap of feeling and slashed his wand away from his chest. He pictured the fangs and maws striking out of nothing, just as they'd lunged from the common room hearth. A blur flashed from his wand, and the tongue bridge shattered like glass, spraying pieces across the pool. Never listen to my suggestions again, Salazar murmured. His serpent cowered behind his neck, flicking his tongue at a piece of bridge lodged in the edge of the frame. That's nothing like what I was expecting. Harry waved his wand. The pieces of bridge rose from the water, and the tongue reformed over the pool. What were you expecting? I expected a translucent serpent similar to the water-based one, but that certainly wasn't it. Salazar stroked his chin. Usually it's the emotion of the focus that warps his spell. What feeling did you use the first time you cast it, when you killed that wizard? Harry cast his mind back. Anger. I was angry. And this time? Nothing. I didn't feel anything. Harry shrugged. I don't feel much of anything anymore. The emptiness... It was the emptiness. Nothing. Salazar frowned. A shadow flitted through his green eyes. I think you made it a vacuum. A concentrated absence of air. It imploded rather than exploded. He grinned. Marvelous. 
I've never seen anything like it. No simple shield drum will stop a spell like that. I can test it if you like. Not in the chamber, Salazar hissed. Go and ruin the room of requirement instead. Harry picked the painting up and carried it back to its spot in the study. I should eat. I'm not surprised you're hungry after that. I'm not hungry. Harry patted his stomach. I've not been hungry for a few days. I need to eat, though. You fell out with that girl a few days ago. Salazar's eyes darkened. Make sure you eat, Harry. You need the energy. I know. Harry found the tables of the great hall piled with pumpkin pasties. <sighs> what terrible luck. What is this school's obsession with pumpkin? To Dumbledore stumble into Halloween once and fall in love with pumpkins and sweets. He took a seat at the very end and peeled the pastry off the soft orange mush, forcing down a few mouthfuls. The bench shifted beside him. Please don't be Katie. Harry stared at his plate. Maybe they'll go away if I ignore them. Harry. Hermione nudged his shoulder. Ah, oh, the only person I might want to talk to less than Katie, of course. Hermione. Where have you been? That's a strange way to apologize for breaking my wand, he said. I already said I was sorry, Harry. I didn't mean to break it. I'd been practicing the charm and it was the first thing in my head when I cast. I know you loved your wand, but it was an accident. If you didn't come to apologize, then why did you come? Just leave me alone. He smothered a sigh. I just want to be alone. We're worried about you, she whispered. You've been so different after the World Cup. I've heard your theories. You might be interested to know that Dumbledore believes I didn't put my name in the tournament. Pass that along to Ron. He can tell his new friend Malfoy when he visits him in the hospital wing. How did you know about Malfoy getting hurt? Ron said not to tell anyone. Harry twisted round and studied the glint in her brown eyes. What else did he say? That Malfoy was bitten by a snake and Dean's collarbone got broken in a fight on the seventh floor? He was really angry about it, but I had to drag it out of him. That was it. He didn't mention they all tried to ambush me together up there? No. Hermione shook her head, then gasped. You broke Dean's collarbone, Harry. Malfoy nearly had nerve damage from that snake. If they'd not attacked me, nothing would have happened to them. He summoned it. Harry shoved the remnants of his pumpkin pasty away, like he did in second year. Oh, so it wasn't you. No, no, it was me. Harry felt a faint flare of satisfaction as her jaw dropped. I commanded it to bite him. He should know better than to summon snakes against me. Hermione chewed at her lip and spun her empty goblet round and round on the table. I heard about Katie, she murmured. Harry shot her a flat stare. That's good. You're probably the only person who has, and I really wanted to discuss it with you. Hermione flinched. We aren't friends anymore, Granger. You broke my wand, one of the most precious things I had. And before you start saying it was an accident, let me remind you that the whole reason you cast that spell in the first place was because you couldn't accept I might be as good at something as you. I could accept it? I'm glad that's the only part of my statement you wanted to contest, Harry snapped, because I'm not sure I could have suppressed my temper if you tried to convince me we could still be friends. She crossed her arms and released a short huff. I don't know what's happened to you, Harry. You're being very unreasonable and irrational. Really? You've no idea what happened? Harry's lip curled. That's strange, given you've been involved every time. Hermione threw her legs out from under the table and stomped away. Just leave me alone. 
Harry watched her bag recede into the crowd. You disappeared when I needed you. Don't come back now, I don't. Laughter burst from the far end of the hall. Harry risked a glance and glimpsed Ron's red hair. No! A cold, French-accented voice cut through the laughter like a knife. Not if you are the last male in this school. Ah, the charming Fleur Delacour is struggling with getting a date to the old ball. Harry watched out of the corner of his eye as she strode through the tables, followed by the crowd. I bet she just wants to be left alone, too. A crimson-faced, mortified Ron slunk out of the crowd surrounding Fleur Delacour. Ron actually asked her. A laugh burst from his lips. They literally couldn't be more unsuited for each other. She's elegant and clever, and he's, well, not. Ron rounded on him like a wounded bull. I don't know what you find funny, Potter. I'm just as successful as you are, and you have to open the ceremony. True, I do. Harry's cheer faded. Thanks for reminding me, Ron. No wonder Katie dumped you, Ron sneered. You don't have the courage to ask anyone. Explains why you can't bear to show your face around Gryffindor Tower. There's no room for cowards in the House of the Brave. A shard of ice formed in Harry's chest. I don't care about the Yule Ball. Since you're so obsessed with the limelight, you can polyjuice as me and take Hermione. He spied Dean across the hall and let a small smile slip onto his face. You'll only have to deal with your little sister making eyes at you the entire time. Ron spluttered. As if— Alternatively, you could do something to try to make yourself known in your own right, Ron. Why not try asking Fleur Delacour to the Yule Ball? Harry's smile spread into a grin. I'm sure she wouldn't be too scathing in her response, not when there are so many people around to witness your humiliation. As if I'd ever lower myself to act like you, Ron yelled. You don't even have the courage to ask anyone to the ball, let alone Fleur Delacour. Her name slipped out in a quiet, reverent whisper. Harry burst into laughter. I don't even want to go, let alone with Fleur Delacour. Besides, she has so many fans I wouldn't have time to finish my lunch if I wanted to join the queue and ask her. Although if by some miracle she said yes, it'd certainly teach Roger Davies a lesson. A tense, thick silence settled over the hall. Ron's face turned crimson as the eyes of everyone in the hall focused on them. Distinct, clear steps rang out across the floor of the hall from his left. Harry's heart slipped somewhere down below his stomach. So, you find this funny too? Fleur Delacour's soft voice emanated from just behind him. Her tone reminded Harry very much of the eyes of the Hungarian horntail. A primitive instinct to remain still seized him. Oh, bloody hell, I'm about to get murdered by an angry French witch in front of everyone. A small chuckle slipped from his mouth. But at least that's one horcrux gone. Strong, soft fingers caught his chin and turned his head round. The faint, sharp, sweet scent of burnt holly drifted to Harry's nose. A pair of blue eyes met his, even narrowed. They were bright and clear as a summer sky. I think you will make a good date with the Yule Ball, Fleur said. She's used to getting what she wants, but I'd rather not be subjected to even more of the school's envy. Harry struggled for words, but caught sight of Roger Davies' horrified face in the crowd. On second thought. I agree. He pulled a bright smile onto his lips. Fleur's lips curved. 
Of course you do. Her smile's as false as mine. I wonder if she knows that, too. Good. She patted him on the cheek, then flicked her long, silver hair back over her shoulder. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve, she murmured. I'll meet you at the Allery as we met before, so we can take a day to get to know each other a little before the Yule Ball. She wants to explain. Harry nodded and gave her a thumbs up. Maybe she can explain the whole Katie thing. Maybe I should apologize for laughing at Ron bothering her. Perfect. Fleur Delacour turned on her heel in a swirl of silver hair. If anyone else wants to ask me to the Yule Ball, the answer will obviously be no. Don't waste my time unless you want to be cursed. End of chapter 22 For the text of this and other stories, visit alltheblankcanvas.com as well as patreon.com slash theblankcanvas. Music by As I Walk Into the Abyss Blinded. QA assistance by Sakiko and Ohana. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.